0: We're going to continue reading now uh, from Luke chapter 23, verse 26. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written gnosis above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him Aren't you the Christ? Today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this,
1: Let me pray. Fathers, we come to your word now. I pray that you would quieten our hearts, that you would clear our minds, and that we might see Jesus. And I ask that for his name's sake. Amen. Do you remember the uh, Chappelle-Corby trial? Uh, Everyone was saying, was she guilty or, or was she not guilty? I guess for those who are a bit older, you might remember the Lindy Chamberlain trial. Was she guilty or was she not guilty? Everyone has an opinion on these kind of things. Are they guilty or are they not guilty? Whether it's Ivan Milat or whether it's OJ Simpson, when it comes to a court trial, everyone is saying, are they guilty or are they not guilty? But you know, it's not really about public opinion, is it? What we really want is to make sure that justice is done. Because if justice is not done, if there's an act of injustice, then the consequences could be horrific. An innocent person put into jail is ghastly. An innocent person put onto death row, that is horrific. See, Some claim that in AD of 30, a ghastly miscarriage of justice took place. And the consequence wasn't it wasn't imprisonment. The consequence wasn't just death row. The consequence was crucifixion. If you're not aware, crucifixion was the most barbaric form of death known to man. Uh, so the, the victim would have his arms tied to a crossbeam, and there would be nine-inch nails driven through his wrists. They would bend the the legs to the left slightly, and then they would drive a nail through the heel bone. And then they would raise the cross to the upright. And with the full weight of the person weighing down, uh, his windpipe would be cut off and and the victim would be suffocated. It was painful, it was shameful, it was horrific. Yet that's how Jesus died. All the other religious leaders of the world, uh, Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, They all died at a ripe old age, surrounded by family and friends and followers. But Jesus died at age 33, alone, betrayed, denied, and mocked, and tortured. And my big question tonight is this Who killed God's king? Who killed God's king? Here's the first answer. All sinful men killing God's king. See, Luke paints this great picture of all these pieces of the jigsaw. So the chief priests, the religious leaders, they kill God's king because the chief priests wanted him dead and they were prepared to dish out the death centers on a lie. They can't find any evidence and so they charge him with blasphemy. In chapter 22, verse 70, they ask, are you the son of God? And when Jesus replied, you're right in saying I am, they said, why do we need any more testimony? We've heard it from his own lips. He's committed blasphemy. It's funny, they've been waiting for the Messiah for centuries, and they're face to face with the Messiah, and they just can't see it, and they send him to a cross. They kill God's king. But then so did Pilate. Pilate's an interesting man in these gospel accounts because our first account, our first appearance, he appears innocent. Let's Look what he says in chapter 23, verse 3. Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? It's kind of like, are you the king of the Jews? You don't look like it. You look like a carpenter, not a revolutionary. And then he says, I find no basis for a charge against this man. Uh, three times Pilate says that Jesus is innocent. He says, why? What, what crime has he committed? I, is Pilate innocent? No. He's guilty. See, Pilate is still the governor. Pilate has all the power. He, he listens to the crowd. He ignores the evidence. He listens to the crowd. And he utters the word, crucify. He had the power to release him, but he didn't. He chose to crucify him. And next in the dock is the crowd, the Jewish crowd. Do you remember the school days when it came to picking teams for sport? Now, I have not got the physique of a rugby player. I was even skinnier when I was younger. Uh, you know, there's two teams and there's two people left. There's one place left and it's always me who's sent on the cross-country run. I was never chosen. Maybe that's why I'm good at running these days. I don't know. Now, imagine, just imagine you've got two people in front of you. One is Hitler, one's mother Teresa. Uh, One is a Bali bomber, the other is a UN aid worker. One is a known murderer, and one is a man who taught his people to love their enemies. Who are you going to choose? The murderer Barabbas, or the innocent man Jesus? And yet the crowd chose Jesus. And they all shouted, crucify him, crucify him. The crowd killed the king. So did the soldiers. They, they beat him and they flogged him and they whipped him and they dressed him up as a king. And just imagine, remember those hot days in, in January, February, where it hits sort of 35, 40 degrees. And days without air conditioning, you've woken up in the morning, it's four o'clock in the afternoon, and you haven't had a drink all day, and you are parched, you're desperate for some water, and a man comes up to you with a sponge, and you're thinking, just a drop of water? but it's filled with vinegar. That's vindictive. And that's what the soldiers did. Verse 36, the soldiers came up to him and mocked him and they offered him wine, vinegar, and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there's Simon of Cyrene, he had no sympathy. He was just forced to carry the cross. The people who wrote the sign, king of the Jews, mocking him. The executioners who gambled for their clothes. And all these people at verse 35, the people stood watching the rulers sneered at him and said he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one they mock and they taunt and they sneer, just as predicted but look at the taunt if you are the Christ come down from the cross, if you are the Christ, if you're the son of God what does that remind you of? who else taunted Jesus like that? right back at the beginning of his life remember Satan in the wilderness? If you're the Son of God, do this. Come on, deny this. See, right at the very last hour, he's still tempted to walk away. He's still being tempted and tried. Is he going to deny? Is he going to walk away? What about disciples? The men who've given up three years of their life to follow Jesus. Peter's denied him, Jesus betrayed him with a kiss, and none of the disciples are there at the cross. And do you get what Luke is painting here? All these people, the chief priests, the soldiers, Pilate, the crowd, the executioners, they're all involved in killing God's king. Who killed God's king? Everybody did. And friends, you did. And I did. Because if we'd been there, we'd have done exactly the same thing. Mock and taunted and sneered and jeered. Oh, I wouldn't do that, we say. Yes, we would. We actually do it every day. Every time we wake up and we say, I know, I'll live for me today and I'll ignore Jesus. Every time we're embarrassed by the cross of Jesus. Every time society mocks Jesus and laughs at Jesus and we refuse to speak out. My sin, my pride, my anger, my impatience, my lust, my greed, and your sins, they killed the king. Who killed God's king? We all did. Stuart Townsend says this, ashamed I hear my mocking voice. Call out among the scoffers. All sinful people killing God's king. But secondly and lastly, God's sinless son he's dying to say because the irony is amazing the contrast is extraordinary how did jesus respond to his persecution see if i was on death row and if i knew i was innocent i'd want to speak out i want to defend myself but jesus remained silent 23 verse 9 herod plied him with questions but jesus gave no answer he chose to remain silent to fulfill the scriptures As the executioners gambled and abused him, what did he say? Verse 34, he prayed, Father, forgive them. A prayer of forgiveness. No retaliation. Jesus was the perfect, innocent, pure, holy, godly man. The only sinless man who's ever lived. So was there injustice? Was there a ghastly mistake? No, Jesus knew what he was doing. See who killed God's king? Listen very carefully. In a way, I could say that that God killed God's king. God killed God's king. Oh sure, he used the the Jewish leaders and the blundering pilots and the crowds and the executioners, but they're just pieces in his jigsaw because it was always God's plan, God's purpose to send his son to die. You've got to understand that Jesus was not a victim of circumstance. Uh, Jesus was not powerless, he wasn't forced to go to the cross. Jesus could have come down from the cross at any time, as if he couldn't as if hands that flung stars into space couldn't come down from the cross, as if, as if hands that fed 5,000 people couldn't have come down from the nails, as if it's the feet that walked on water couldn't have released himself from the cross. It's not that he couldn't come down from the cross, it's that he wouldn't come down from the cross. He chose not to. See, they thought he was up there by their decision, but Jesus was up there by his own will, by obeying his Father. Because when they say, let him save himself and us, ironically, that's what Jesus is doing. He's saving himself and saving us. Let's go back to Barabbas. I think we skim over Barabbas. It's so important. Barabbas was a notorious criminal. Barabbas was a murderer. His name means son of the father. On that first Good Friday, there are three crosses already set up for execution. The two criminals and one for Barabbas. He's guilty. He's about to be crucified. And so when Pilate asks that question, who shall I release? You've got one man, Barabbas, a known murderer who deserves to die, and another man, Jesus, who's innocent. Are you beginning to get it? Barabbas is released, and Jesus dies. Barabbas is spared, and Jesus is killed. The guilty one goes free, and the innocent one is crucified. And that's what happens on the first Good Friday. See, so on that cross, Jesus was taking on himself. The punishment for all the wrongdoing that we've done. That was creation's verdict in verse 44. It's the sixth hour, it's midday, the sun's at its brightest, but you've got darkness. Darkness is a sign of judgment. Darkness is a sign of God's wrath. That's how it's used throughout the Bible. Because at this moment in history, God's wrath is being poured out. See, if we have sinned, which we have, and if we're responsible, which we are, then the consequences are that we are facing the wrath of God. But God's wrath was poured out on that first Good Friday. Not on the chief priest, not on Pilate, not on the soldiers, not on the crowd, not on the disciples, but it was poured out on his son, on Jesus. And I don't think we really grasp what that cost Jesus. Imagine the, the full weight of a holy God's anger being poured out. His anger at the gas chambers of Auschwitz and his anger at the killing fields of Cambodia and his, his anger at the murderers and the rapes and the perjurers and his anger at greed and intolerance and his anger at, at my impatience and my stupidity and his anger at, at your indifference And all that anger being poured down and down and down and down and down into one person at one time in history. And then hear the words of Jesus. He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you turned away from me? Why? Because of you and because of me. Because he loves us. That's why. He did it for you. He did it for me. And instead of experiencing that love relationship with his father, Jesus experienced the full weight of his father's wrath. See, Jesus could have come down from the cross, but actually he couldn't come down, could he? Because if he had come down, there'd be no blood for forgiveness and no ransom for many and no salvation, and, and you and I would still be facing the full wrath of God. I think the funny thing is that the, the leaders then said they would believe if Jesus came down. Uh, but God says, no, we believe because he stayed up there. He didn't come down. God's sinless son dying to save. So what's your response? You've got to respond, my friends. 2,000 years ago, some mocked. But some mourned. Most rejected, but some accepted. And maybe you're here tonight and you're still mocking. You think Jesus is a good man or a good teacher, but he's not God. Maybe you come to church week after week and you sing the songs, but it's just a game, a facade. You don't really believe he is the son of God who died for you. And if I've just described you, can I encourage you and urge you to think again? Please don't be like the second criminal who came face to face with the saviour and still refuse to believe. We should be like the other criminal who just looked at Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, I can do nothing. I'm helpless. But please remember me. And Jesus says those amazing words, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today is is a sad day. And it's right that we reflect with grief at the death of our Savior. That we come humbly. And we say, there's nothing I can do to earn your forgiveness. Just say the words, thank you. But it's not just a sad day, is it? Do you think Barabbas went home sad that night? Do you think Barabbas went home and and grieved that night? I'm guessing that Barabbas went home joyful and amazed because... He just walked free. He deserved to die, but he had life. And I pray that this Good Friday, you'd have that mixed emotions of joy and relief and gratitude as you reflect on the death of our Savior. Let me pray. Because the sinless Savior died, My simple soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and to pardon me. And Lord, we just say the words, Thank you. Thank you.